Movie Brunch with me, Luke, here in Chicago. And me, Katie, here in Los Angeles. Katie Grotzinger, what have you been up to this week? I saw Rocket Man. Oh my god, the the jukebox musical itself. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's a, it definitely plays uh, hard and fast with facts, but I think it's to the benefit of the experience. And it's very colorful and fun while also not shying away from Elton John's battles with uh, alcohol and his struggles with fame and loneliness. I thought it was really good. That's delightful to hear. I haven't had the the pleasure uh, to actually sit down and watch the whole thing, but um, at work at the old movie theater, uh, I've been having to sweep up a lot of popcorn to the credits. And, and my oh my, um, Taryn, Taryn Egerton, uh can sing his ass off and uh hearing him duet with elton john and like the credits is fucking amazing and just and just everything i've i've seen and heard about this movie seems like it'll be a goddamn crying shame if rami malek wins for not singing in a shitty movie and gets the oscar and taron egerton sings in what seems to be a very good movie and doesn't Mm -hmm. get acknowledged that's gonna get on my nerves just just to compare the two because Bohemian Rhapsody got like made so much money, and that movie is dog shit. Like at the end of the day, it's it's a very very bad movie, um, mm. on pretty much all counts aside from Rami Malek, who is doing a good job. Um, just it would be criminal to see something that looks so like pure and interesting and like cared for um, not get the acknowledgement scene. And it seems like it's doing okay. It seems like it's making solid money and it seems like uh, reviews have been all around pretty positive, but it seems like it also went for like, it wasn't the standard biopic, right? It was, uh, it was, it was definitely more of like um, a musical, correct? Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I like that uh, version of it. So that like you have like little versions of Elton John, younger versions of him singing these songs way before they come out, but they, they really fit the mood of the movie. Also, something I thought was really fun is uh, Jamie Bell, who played Billy Elliot in Billy Elliot. Yeah. Uh, he's in it as the um, as Bernie, as Elton John's uh, lyricist. And uh, I thought that was kind of funny, considering that Elton John actually wrote the music for the Billy Elliot musical. So, I did not know that. How interesting. Oh, yeah. I was wondering if it was like an in-joke or what, or if Jamie Bell's well, just good, and he is great. But uh, maybe, either way, there was a nice little connection. Maybe all of this is just an in-joke, because Elton John was in Kingsman 2, right? Yeah. And then before that, wasn't uh, Taron Egerton was singing uh, the the Elton John song in Sing? He, uh, he sure did. He yeah, sure so did. It's like one of these all days these we'll talk about Sing. We're goddamn destined uh, mm-hmm. to happen. Um, and yeah, now I've just been... I, I'm like about to download some 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 Sir Elton songs because yeah, all of them are stuck in my head just from having them at work. Um, but yeah, what a weird thing. And it seems like they're good buddies now too, like Elton John and, and, and old T.E. Um, good, they seem like pals. good. It's, it's really kind of adorable. And I, I always... L- thought the dude was cool like i saw kingsman i saw robin hood in theater um i've given taron Egerton my money um but i'm really again just from like supplement supplementary like i haven't even sat down and watched the whole flick i'm just really impressed with this dude um and i think this is like really the thing to make my uh my my needle really go off the charge for this guy i'm about to fall in a rabbit hole of taron Egerton, and i can't wait to see it so i can actually like talk with more confidence but you know yeah, I'm really excited about where his career's going. I think he's really talented. I, uh, I, when I saw the first Kingsman, I, I was really blown away by his charm. And uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to see where his career's going to take off. He's a charming dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, um, Jamie Bell looks a lot like Tom Holland. So for the longest time, I thought that Spider-Man was going to make out with Taron Egerton <laughs> during wish. some point in this movie. But instead... And I kept- Nah, okay. it's Jamie Bell, Billy Elliot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jamie but anyway, uh, what did AKA you see? AKA Reed. Reed, oh, I forgot about that. That's the Jamie other Bell. connection. He's Ben Grimm. He's the thing. Don't forget, fan four stick oh, forever. How dare I? <laughs> oh, goodness. What a oh. movie that was. Yeah, we try not to think about it. <laughs> it, was <a> different time. <laughs> it was a different time in our lives. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I um speaking of uh Fox Marvel franchises, sweet segue. 
Um, mm-hmm. I saw Dark Phoenix, uh, the swan song to Fox's X-Men, um, sort of the last hurrah before uh, Marvel collects the final Infinity Stone that is uh, their mutant characters uh, mm-hmm. and going to officially bring them into the MCU. And have you been up to, like, did you watch First Class and DOFP and Apocalypse and that sort of thing? Yeah, I actually am up to date, but I've heard really mixed things about this. Like, I've heard that critics just despise it, but that, like, some people have enjoyed it. Like, some of the fans have enjoyed it. What did you think? I think critics are fucked on this one. Because oh, okay. uh, the, because it was really, you know, it was much maligned. I didn't care. As soon as I saw the preview for it, I'm like, cool, Apocalypse was, like, the same summer as Captain America Civil War. Like, we've come so far since then. Like, what do I care about a Fox X-Men movie at this point. Apocalypse, I didn't think was very good. It was like three years ago. And mm-hmm. it seems like this is like the last, like, can we get a little money before our, you know, our Fox deal goes through and Disney owns it and they do it, quote unquote, the right way. Um, but going, I went in with low expectations and I think that might be the way to do it. But all things considered, I actually had a great time, like an awesome time. And, oh, good. Yeah, and like it, it was, it was trying interesting things, and it was, it was felt like really kind of like edgy and uh, gritty, and they, they didn't seem to be pulling punches. Like, yeah, there's some things in the meat of it where I'm like eye roll or whatever, but mm-hmm. the bones, like the structure of this movie, is super solid. And I don't know if that comes from adapting such uh, a beloved um, arc that is the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, they've tried to adapt adapt it once before in X3, The Last Stand, which is, uh, you know, very hated. But mm-hmm. I this movie is solid to me. It does some cool shit. And uh, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so I don't really know shit about Sophie Turner. She's the she's the lead. Like, she's, she's the main character in this movie, and she kicks ass. And uh, everybody else is doing a good job, too. Like, it's, it's the, are you going to see it? I don't know how much I should spoil. Oh, probably not, to be honest. <laughs> I don't blame you. But, uh, so it, the thing, and you know my barometer of like, is this a good comic book? And it is. Yes. Like it mm-hmm. is like, so the, they've taken this like Fox, like the, the state of the X-Men in this movie is really weird. And so like, mm-hmm. so uh, like Charles Xavier has like an X phone that goes, a line that goes directly to the president. And like, he dope. is like getting, I know it's dope. And he's like, uh, he's getting a little bit too like, uh, up in his own head about like the fame of being like the lead of the X-Men and he's like all about the glory and he's kind of like, you know, people are starting to get pissed off at him and Mystique and Beast are like, we got to leave the X-Men because this isn't what we signed up for and we're the last members of the first class and shit. And then like mm-hmm. these young kids are like, well, being an X-Men is cool. And Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, uh, Jean Grey is like, there's something inside me. And the movie just like starts off with like a space mission. Like they don't fuck around. They're like, all right, welcome to this movie. Thanks for paying your 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 bits to get in. And we know you just saw Avengers Endgame. Let's just get in a spaceship and go to space. Let's just be X-Men. And I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing the yellow suits with the X. And they go to Good. space and they're doing cool shit. And Quicksilver's running fast. And Nightcrawler's teleporting. It's just like all the cool things that like, you know, they have made theirs. And I keep thinking that like, it's it's really hard for me to imagine how to how to do the x-men on film and i'm sure the mcu will just crush it and do it in a way that didn't i didn't expect but every iteration and there's been multiple have been all these fox marvel so like to see uh to see it to see it one last time like it it was almost a little bittersweet so i'm not going to say the movie is the best movie i've ever seen it's predictable at times it's uh certainly a a little campy at times the dialogue isn't Mm -hmm. the best thing i've ever heard i don't think simon kenberg is my favorite writer on earth he's a fine director but i don't necessarily love his dialogue um Mm -hmm. but everything i've seen in that movie it fucking it gets it's really intense uh it's edgy the the there's violence that i didn't expect which was actually kind of like cool to see uh, they throw a few f words in there, which I'm like, all right, like Cyclops, yeah. cy- Cyclops to like fucking uh, 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 Magneto. He's like, you touch, I'll fucking kill you, and I'm like, woo, like, <laughs> like I'm just having a good time, and I think it's good. actually like, it's like I'm probably gonna see it again, and I, I, uh, 
I'm I'm happy that it's here and like it's actually a little sad to me to to watch these these old friends go because in a world where we've had Endgame and like Iron Man gets his just like end and like that was beautiful and wonderful we had a lot of time to build up to that and we have like franchises ending and stuff like like regimes like dying and stuff and I think that people are unfairly uh, ripping on the Fox X Men Fox Marvel because it's easy but I don't mm-hmm. think it's fair. I don't think I don't think people are are giving this movie its fair shake and I also don't think that people are willing to to talk about the fact that we don't get the MCU whatsoever let alone Endgame let alone all these wonderful toys that we get to play with and love now if Fox's X-Men doesn't happen. Like X-Men in 2000 is the thing that since studios into frenzies to buy up comic book properties and you don't get a marvel studios you don't get you know all of these like beautiful comic book like renaissance uh like on film that we've seen without the fox x-men so i would love to pay i want to pay tribute to them i want to thank them and i want to make sure that at least on bad movie brunch people know that Dark Phoenix is a-okay by us. Me, but I'm going to say us because... You know, <laughs> yeah, we're, no, we're, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. <laughs> so, I and, can't... Rec- uh, I, I recommend it. I think it's something... It's a, it's a good, solid summer flick, and it's a it's a hell of a time, and it's 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 offering something that we won't get from now on. Every, like, time we've had the MCU, Fox's Marvel has always been willing to offer us something different, and we are now going to be living in a world where we don't get something different. There's no other flavor. It's all going to be MCU, vanilla ice cream, and it's damn good vanilla ice cream. It's French vanilla. It's vanilla bean, but it's it's still going to be all one flavor, Um, and that could be tough. It might not be the best thing. It's something that I'm very interested to see how it goes. Well, I don't know, because again, we're we have Aquaman two coming out, and that's a different flavor. That's like, I mean, I was gonna say Rocky Road, but that remains to be seen. It will just no. it will be a different flavor. Well, and I and I guess I mean in regards to Marvel characters. Um, oh, gotcha. Just because DC and Warner Brothers, they've got a million flavors. They, they'll never give you one flavor. They refuse to stick with one <laughs> flavor. <laughs> They're like, no. They're Baskin Robbins. If uh, right, they're thir- yeah. If if one person licks their their flavor and doesn't like it, they're like, well, here's five more that don't match. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I like all of them just fine. But um, but I guess I mean in terms of like, it's very it's really nice to see Marvel's characters go back to one stable. And you know, mm-hmm. as well as it worked out for Spider Man, I su- I shouldn't say shit. But yeah, it's just it's gonna be a different world and it's in 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 the nostalgic in me is is a little sad to see uh see it go and so we thank the fox x-men for their service yeah as we thank you for things like logan and we also thank you for x-men origins wolverine like you know you got to take the good with the bad (laughs) oh yeah oh the the two sides of the coin yeah always speaking of superheroes I, uh, how about we talk a little bit about our own Captain Marvel, Brie Larson? Let's do it. So you you think, yeah, we're talking about a movie with Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson that came out this year. Not that movie. Mm-hmm. Not that movie. <laughs> we're talking about Unicorn Store, the, the, the prequel, no, <laughs> the, 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 I assume the passion project that was maybe not shot alongside, but they had to be shooting like around the same time, it, it feels like. Um, didn't they, cause didn't they get released kind of on top of each other? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's Brie Larson's directorial debut. And I just finished watching an interview with her where she's talking about how, uh, she had the script and I guess the two of them all also worked together on Kong, which I didn't know. Oh yeah. Kong's Skull Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, she just had the script lying around. Maybe she was making notes on it. Maybe she was going over her lines, but I guess Samuel L. Jackson found it. And he read a bit of it, and he really liked the salesman character. And so he, he was like, don't give anybody this part. This is my part. And things like him putting tinsel in his hair as the salesman, as this kind of Willy Wonka-esque dude, that was all him. Which I, I didn't know that he also had a had so much fun on this movie. It made, it made sense. And it definitely, like, it struck me as something like, so, like, when Joss Whedon was making Avengers, he also, like, shot Much Ado About Nothing. Um, mm. 
and it was like black and white and it had like uh, a lot it had like Clark Gregg and other people that were in Avengers already and it's like I'm gonna do this while we do the hard thing just to have fun and like and like chill out and it felt like that that's what this is because Captain Marvel uh challenges Brie Larson in a way that we haven't really seen her have to deal with in other films in that she's playing a character that um is trying to figure out who she is and like and adjusting to like humanity and stuff like that and so she has to play everything very uh very stoic and very calm and very calculated whereas um and you know you watch that and you're like she's amazing and i'm not here for any brie larson hate i know there's like the, a, a sect of the internet um mostly like shitty dudes that uh have a problem with captain marvel or brie larson You'll never hear a, a fucking ounce of that from me. I adore Billy Larson. I think she's a talent. I think she's a wonderful woman. I think she's a brilliant actress. Um, I have nothing but positive things to say. But to watch her and Sam L and Captain Marvel where things are kind of reserved and, you know, uh, that sort of thing, to, to get to watch something like Unicorn Store where she just gets to, to have a good old goofy time and she's really just having fun, that was really um, a standout for me was to watch her be silly and funny and like put like put that against like the sort of like you know superhero like uh like nature of Captain Marvel and like I'm I can I'm in outer space and I'm basically uh, a superman or a woman or whatever and I can do this this stuff. I want to see the artsy girl who wants to to fucking have a unicorn. <laughs> and I want to see Sam L with glitter in his hair and I want to see like all that good shit. So I I have had just a wonderful time uh I couldn't be more thrilled with the suggestion of Unicorn Store. What caused you to, to choose it? So I I was trying to find... It was my pick this week, so I was trying to figure out what to watch. And I my first pick was I'm like, I'm going to try The Space Between Us because every like trailer I saw for that movie, it looked just terrible. And, yeah, and I was really like, bad. this seems... It, it, I was like, this seems like it would be perfect for us. But I tried to watch it and I couldn't get through it. I kept falling asleep in front of it. And I remembered when Captain Marvel came out, the, when Unicorn Store was released, everybody was talking about how bad it was. And I sat on it because I was, which is weird as we do a bad movie podcast, but I was like, eh, I don't know, I'll hold off on that. So I gave it a chance. And uh, it is not great. Uh, it's fun, but it's definitely not great. There's this really, it, you know what it kind of reminds me of? What's is that? Uh, Sorry to Bother You. I didn't see Sorry to Bother You, so I would love oh. to hear how and why. And feel free to, to spoil stuff. I don't care. I'll still watch Sorry to Bother You regardless. I just haven't got around well, to it. So okay. let me know why. Well, it's really because of the voice. Because both of those movies take place in this kind of uh, exaggerated alternate reality where, like, we're not going for realism here. So if you're, if you're going for realism, you're going to have a bad time in either one of those movies. You just have to, like, play by the rules and they really start you out with that kind of knowledge with the very beginning where Kit is at art school and she's covered in uh, rainbow paint and glitter and she's in front of a canvas and all around her she's at art school and all of her classmates are dressed in black and they've all had these monochrome paintings done and you just see her professor, he's got like this evaluation sheet and he just runs the, the pen down. Uh, it's like excellent good average and poor he just runs the pen down poor for all of the different categories it's so fucked up and the, you know what i've never been to art school but i'm pretty sure that that's not how it works so we went to art school katie we were we're, well, we're artists we're screenwriters <laughs> we didn't go to visual art school that's true and uh even we weren't value evaluated that way like it wasn't a straight no. up like rubric it was more like um you had to play with what different people were going for and different people's voices. And sure. I do think that there is a place for Brie Larson's um, character's voice, that kind of uh, um, nostalgic, Lisa Frank, pastel, glitter, unicorn kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, so it, it just felt very close-minded to just begin with, like, nobody understands Kit because she's colorful in a world of people that are very serious about art. So we're right off the bat with that. So you, you mentioned at the beginning that Captain Marvel is a movie about Brie Larson's character trying to find herself. And so is this movie. Kit is trying to grow up in a world that doesn't that she feels like doesn't understand her. 
and what she doesn't feel ready for. And I think that that's pretty... It, one of the things that's kind of bizarre about it is that the movie seems to imply that she went to art school at the age of 29. Yeah. So she's not like an 18-year-old kid. She's no. almost 30. Yeah. She's a man-child. Yeah. And it, it we don't see a lot of um, female man-children. Woe-man-children, if you will. Woman-children. So Woman-children. So <laughs> it is interesting to kind of play with that archetype. But it... it Everything is really exaggerated. Like her, um, the job that she does, she's a temp. She is like, I'm going to be an adult and I'm going to try to get a, you know, be a temp, do office work. And there's this guy at her job named Greg who may or may not be hitting on her. It's very vague. He's a very awkward dude. I think he's just weird uh, as fuck. I don't know if he's actually like a creep. (laughs) And I think the movie doesn't know either. And I think that there is something kind of, fun about that because i do think that there's people in your life sometimes where you're not sure if it's if they're creepy or not so some of the exaggeration does work but some of it also is a little grating because i think that some people might think that you and i are man children because uh we like superheroes i i'm super into cartoons but even watching this movie i'm like hit goodness gracious like you gotta be an adult like (laughs) lord I've got a credit card now, Kit. I'm a grown-up. All right? So, but what did you think about the exaggerated tone of the flick? I I don't know. I I was like, uh, and maybe I'm just in that mood this week. It does, the pendulum does swing, but I was all for it. I thought that, like, things about this movie were, like, uh, I thought, like, plot-wise and, like, the script is all very convenient. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that beats happen because they have to happen, but I was so charmed, uh, by the performances of, of her, uh, being Brie Larson, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Joan Cusack, uh, all these, all these wonderful, talented people just getting to play with each other in a room. And I was a big fan of, uh, of, of Brie Larson's touch as a director, um, that nothing really, uh, jumped out or bothered me. I was just kind of along for the ride. Um, like, uh, you know, yeah, she's a man, she's a woman child and, oh, nobody understands me. And it's all stuff we've seen before. It's tread over ground. But, um, I, I enjoyed, uh, going on this character's journey with her and you know what it, it strikes me as like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a Christmas tree away from being, uh, an, like a, like a free form 25 days of Christmas original or something oh, like that. Oh, it totally it, like, it, it, is. It's got like one of those tones. Like you could, you could, you could do a, a like if I took this script and added two beats where she's like Santa Claus's daughter <laughs> or mm-hmm. something like that, like it becomes a movie like that. So, it, you know, it's, it's, it's simple and it's easy to digest, but, um, that's something I think that, uh, you know, we don't always need, um, we don't always need Citizen Kane. Um, it's okay to have Unicorn Store and movies that are just like, um, in many ways, this movie is just like an allegory, right? It's a it's a fable. It's it's a lesson uh, for it's a lesson about uh, growing up and what happens if you know you're you're caught up in your own head. Because Brie Larson's character Kit in this ultimately is so convinced that she's got the right idea and that she's been wronged by her parents and that the the universe isn't isn't willing to to accept her that she's become close-minded herself and honestly become like uh the things that she supposedly despises and it's never more it's never more evident than when she's um you know on that she decides to go on that like trip with her parents and she's like my parents have never understood me and they're never, they never like, like they don't care for me the way I want them to. And why doesn't the world see me for me? And then there's all these other children that like, you know, come from like broken homes and had tough lives and stuff. And Kit has to basically be told that like, your life isn't that bad. And, you know, looking at it, looking at it from the sidelines as me, I'm like, you're a, you're a white, you're a white woman who lives with your parents and is taken care of financially. And, and, Life could be worse uh, compared to these kids that have been abused and had real issues with their parents and, like, come from broken homes and stuff. Uh, Like, hey, Kit, you don't have it half bad, so, like, maybe it's time to suck it up. I think that, like, that lesson in this movie is an important one that, no matter how it's delivered, I think that movies need to keep telling people to stay grounded like this one does. What about you? Uh, I agree definitely about the performances. I think that um, in a 
like an adult coming of age movie is I do think those are necessary it's just that the character of Kit really grated on me on t- at times and I don't think that that's I mean I wonder because I feel like the movie does intend that to some degree but a lot of the time it just seemed so exaggerated like I don't feel like I know someone like Kit and she's just so over the top well I it's definitely like you know her just like um just like Sam L and stuff like that and her parents even to an extent they definitely seem a little two-dimensional or like characters if you will but that's like the point right so like if we're gonna if we're gonna take this movie and accept it for the tone it is then we're not really supposed to know people like that it's like (laughs) I don't know it's like a it's like a psalm in the bible or like old testament shit like that stuff isn't like Mm. you know like Jonah didn't fucking go through a whale or whatever the hell it's just like (laughs) These are the these are the characters we're saying to tell this story. And do you not think that was an effective way because you couldn't jive with uh, uh, these characters? Or like, do, are you looking for a more human connection in a movie that isn't super grounded and human? Maybe that's it. Maybe I am looking for more of a human connection. I do think at times the movie does play with some interesting subtleties. Like again, uh, it's very uh, it's it's Greg, right? Her boss. It's, yeah. Whether or not, like, like that's very, that's like a very subtle, like, me too kind of anxiety that isn't super over the top. That there are these kind of awkward moments that you have with people in positions of power that you just have to, like, awkwardly navigate your way through. I thought that was done very well. I, um, I enjoy Virgil. I think Virgil's a very grounding character. Um, Couldn't agree the, more. Yeah, that the the actor that plays him also was bastard in Patty Cakes. Real, I and, never saw Patty Cakes. I've been dying uh, to for like two years, and it just keeps slipping dude, under you my see radar. Patty Cakes. Yeah, I know. You I feel like should. it's my fucking movie. I remember when that trailer came out, like when Sundance was happening, like two or three years ago, and I was like, "Shit, this looks like the best movie I've ever seen," and then I just never saw it. Mm-hmm. So <clears> I do think I do think that um, I-, I get what you're saying because you have to be along the lo- the ride for the tone. You have to kind of jive with it to accept the movie. And I think during my second watch, I had a much better time because I, I knew what to expect and what to prepare for. And uh, I now am able to appreciate more of those grounding elements, such as Virgil. So, um, yes? He's great. He's got like a, you know who his voice sounds like? It sounds like, a, it's funny to hear the voice come out of that dude because the dude looks like he should like, I don't know, sound like, uh, like have this like, I don't know, like deep kind of, and it is deep, but like, I, I don't know. He seems like he should be like, kind of like James Earl Jones commanding or something, just like his stature and stuff. And instead mm-hmm. he sounds like, uh, he sounds like, uh, Nathan Fielder or Felder or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like his voice sounds just like that. It's just really funny to watch him. And I thought that his character was really charming. And I think that if you want to latch on, he kind of represents, um, us in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. because her parents are a little stilted and out of touch and while they're doing like th- their own thing and trying really hard to like help, you know, endangered children and stuff like that, they're a little stilted in their mannerisms and dialogue. Kit is a little stilted in her mannerisms and dialogue and worldview. Samuel L. Jackson is Gene Wilder. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but Virgil kind of represents us, the audience, the viewer, the, the normal person, the lay person, the guy who's like kind of, uh, taking this journey with these, with this weird person, Kit, quote unquote weird. Uh, and stuff, and so I think that his character is definitely the person to latch onto if you're looking for that human connection, um, because he's kind of saying and thinking what we're thinking, um, but he's willing to go along with it anyways. And is that because he's in the mix of a half-assed romantic arc? I don't know. <laughs> um, do you find Virgil and Kit's romantic arc half-assed like I do? I guess that's my next question because that was kind of the thing I didn't need in this movie. Yeah. Like there's like the, there's like the eye roll beat of like them, like getting in a fight and then like him leaving. And it's like, Oh, and it's like, this isn't a romantic comedy. Like, I think I could have just used Virgil as a friend. Um, I don't know. What about you? Like I I, I do love Virgil, but you know, I agree. I don't think that Kit is ready for a boyfriend or to be in a romantic relationship. I think that she's still, should work on herself. And I think that Virgil's great asset is that he's kind of an example. You're right. And that he is this regular guy who is just trying his best working at this hardware store. And he, at near the end of the movie, he transfers hardware store to become, I believe, an, an assistant manager. So right. he's, 
he is working with what he has. He has accepted adulthood and is working with it, and he's happy enough. But he also isn't. He also doesn't deny Kit's weird request, which I no, think no. implies that he does want something more. He's fine with reality, but he also is open to new experiences. Well, and like, imagine if you're Virgil and take this mm-hmm. whole movie from his perspective. Because if he's just a regular normal dude, and then you're just suddenly visited by this wonderful glitter and paint covered unicorn woman, Kit, who's like gonna whisk you away on this journey, like it's like it's like a very it's a very um, you know regular dude meeting this very intuitive like artistic soul and getting take taken on this like glitter bomb of a journey and stuff, and to to like be introduced and like the potential to be whisked away on a kind of adventure with an interesting person who can make your monotonous life as a hardware store employee, uh, you know, become interesting and something new. And like you wake up not knowing what's going to happen. I think that is a really, uh, important thing for the character of Virgil to, uh, and part of the reason he latches on and whether or not you're romantically interested, that's one thing. But I think just the, the promise of doing something like, different and exciting and Mm -hmm. getting kind of whisked away on this like journey from like you know and getting to use a different part of his brain is uh part of the reason he's not reluctant uh at all um after like the initial meeting he's like yeah let's fucking do it i guess like you're funny you're interesting you're you're neat and i'm willing to help as much as i can because of course there's the human instinct in that you know biologically you're a pretty girl and i'm a handsome man because he is and she is but mm-hmm. I think it's also like the uh, the guarantee that I'm gonna get to do this weird thing that I didn't think I was going to do and didn't know I wanted to do. Um, but here we are building a unicorn stable, and whether or not it's for real, I'm having a good time. It's I hadn't thought about this at all when you were, uh, but in, when you were just saying that just now, if this movie was from Virgil's perspective. What I think is interesting about this movie is that it would not fall into the manic pixie dream girl trope because Kit isn't interested in whisking Virgil away because she's interested in Virgil. She's interested in Virgil because he has a skill that she doesn't have and she has her own goal, which is to make this stable for this unicorn. So I do think that that's really interesting and I hadn't really thought about that, but if it was from Virgil's perspective, it wouldn't be just your typical manic pixie dream girl movie. No, and like I'm perfectly fine. I like I would also be perfectly fine seeing uh, that movie too, and mm-hmm. I I don't know I don't know if I'm like going out of my way too much to like reframe the film in order to like enjoy it a certain way, but you know <laughs> I, you know you know I do that with lots of shit. So um, I don't know, I, and I I I think that's just uh, one way to 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 mesh with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not even like you know. If she walks in and there's a different hardware employee that isn't Virgil, maybe maybe the movie becomes about like her and that dude. So like it's all convenient, but it's all a matter of circumstance. And uh, I I kind of like the 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 world that's that's built in this movie where things can things can happen, mystical, wonderful things, even if they're um, even if they're convenient or even if they're not true, even if it's bullshit. I like this like sort of stilted reality um of kit's uh of in kit's own brain and stuff and and maybe maybe the whole reason the movie seems that way is because we're living through kit and she sees the world with these really weird glittery glittery colored glasses mm-hmm. um and i think i think i prefer that perspective i don't think i want to see the virgil movie uh mm-hmm. i i think i think i need the anchor of um of this really vibrant uh gal uh, and then seeing how people interact with her and stuff. And at the end of the day, I think she's the one that needs to learn the lesson. Virgil doesn't need to learn oh, yeah, a lesson. He's, sure. just, he's just already a good dude. Her parents, while their relationship has been strained with her, they're very good people. And they're doing their best to take care of people that are in need. And really, the only one being a shithead is Kit. Very true. Also, um, in speaking with the magical kind of reality, let's talk about the store. Oh, yeah, I'd love to. This, this is okay. really neat. It seems like these would be fun days on set. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. It's kind but... of just like a big superstore, right? That like, it's sort of, it, you know what it reminded me of? The rumor requirement in Harry Potter. Exactly. Where it just becomes, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. Because it's just called the store, but then she shows up and, you know, describe it for me. It's like. Well, there's, well, f- for one thing, when 
it's just that's the thing is that it's just called the store so it's a store that more that sells things you know without really selling them because i don't think there's ever any talk of actual payment uh that sells things that people need so it isn't actually just a unicorn store which is an interesting subtlety of the movie it's a unicorn store to kit because she thinks that's what she needs and really what she needs from the samuel l jackson salesman character is to have growth through wanting something as badly as a unicorn and then realizing that she doesn't need it. And I thought that was very fascinating. So the place itself is like in this basement downtown, but when you get there, it's very bright and colorful. There's a, a hasterant for the, for the unicorn, and there's a place where you can like clean the unicorns and watch unicorn movies, and there's an ice cream parlor. Not for unicorns, but for the salesman because he enjoys ice cream. And right. he and Brie Larson eat ice cream while talking about, like, the getting to brass tacks about how to take care of the unicorn. And it becomes clear that it what is really happening is that Kit needs to learn how to be a better person to be worthy of the unicorn, which I thought was really interesting. And you're kind of wondering, as Virgil does whether or not this unicorn is very real because you don't see one at the store throughout the movie until like the last what is it like 10 or 5 minutes or so yeah no it's it's a constant like it's a constant like we'll do this and you'll get it or your unicorn's not here yet or your unicorn's not ready and it makes you believe like it almost gave me like this vibe that like is Samuel L. Jackson villainous like mm-hmm. is like it, why is he lying like what what is this are we never going to see a fucking unicorn in a movie called <laughs> Unicorn Store I'm getting pissed I'm getting mad and then, yeah, we finally get it in the most pivotal and emotionally uh, satisfying scene of the film, which really, God, she's a good actress, um, really oh, got fantastic. to me. Yeah. She's so good. Like, damn it. Like, that's why I'm just not here for it. Anybody, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to move to L.A. and just sit on sit on a street and just wait for somebody to say something about Brie Larson. I'll just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> she, is, she is just the best. But, yeah, that, that pivotal moment where she finally like arrives and her unicorn's finally ready. Like it's just a series of like she has to do she has to just keep learning lessons until she can finally see her unicorn, right? Mhm. And then when she finally like learns all she needs to and gets the unicorn, it's that classic I guess what I thought I needed, I didn't need and what I needed instead was the growth, the journey. The journey was more important than the destination. Absolutely. I did think during my first watch through of this movie that uh, when she opens the door to go see the unicorn that Virgil would just be there and he was the unicorn the whole time. So I'm really glad they didn't go through that route because there good. was like a very serious part of me that thought that was what it was going to be. But I like I, I like that it was a real unicorn. I was, I was pretty jazzed to see Steve the unicorn. Well, she opens the door to this beautiful, beautiful unicorn, and it's mm-hmm. it's not CGI. It's not like I mean, it's obviously a horse, but yeah. like to see her and this animal act. Like I just remember, I remember sitting there and thinking as like she finally sees like this unicorn, and and it's just such a fucking pure moment where she's like, "This is the unicorn from my childhood." Remember the games we used to play? I was this misunderstood kid that my parents didn't get me and I didn't have friends that understood. So you are my friend. I created you and you helped create me in a sense. I'm this person because I had this relationship with you. And whether or not you're a figment of my uh, imagination or not, you were real to me. Like Kit the girl and Steve the unicorn were best friends. And we used to play checkers together and you poked your horn through the, the board and we did all these wonderful things. And you were there for me when nobody else was. Um, and that conversation she has with this, with this creature where she's just like, you know, crying and being absolved of like these decades and uh, of, of just emotional, uh, I don't know, stunting or abuse and not necessarily abuse, but like having to, having to live in this world where she's trying to be this ball of light in a world that doesn't want to turn the light on, um, to finally have that moment with, with the, the, the character that, helped rear her and helped like make her this person and was there for her when nobody else was the way she like thanks thanks that unicorn and she's just like crying and like decides the ultimate like you know i'm glad to finally see you again it's beautiful to see my old friend but i want you to be the unicorn that you were for me for somebody that needs you because i don't anymore i've learned my lesson and that 
call it call it cheesy, <laughs> call it easy on the page, like call it like a natural beat. But like to me, that was like, oh boy, it was a really emotional scene. And like I understood where she was coming from. And I don't know if it's just her performance is what like grabbed me by the balls, like grabbed me mm-hmm. by the heart. But to see her finally break down and give us a version of Kit that isn't like, hyper realistic a version of kit that is finally like truly human and seeing her at her like base emotional state um meant a lot to me and made the movie and the journey toward this moment all very worth it because i think every human being can relate to that moment and understand uh like the, the you know it's not a unicorn for everybody but everybody has their unicorn and um it just made me. It just made me hug my cats a little closer, and uh, and and think about the things as a child that um, are still keeping me, uh, keeping the light alive in me today, um, like Spider Man and cool shit like that. Mm-hmm. So I really, really, really enjoyed that moment. And I I was feeling pretty cynical about this movie up until then, and but what really got me. Uh, after she lets the unicorn go, which I do agree is very poignant and very sweet and shows a lot of character growth, is as she and Virgil are leaving the store, yeah, there's a woman coming and she's she's older than Kit. I think that she's in like, what would you say, like her late 30s? Late 30s. Or so. Like it, it looks like she's probably, yeah, and go ahead. And she's clearly, she's clearly, at least on the outside, more of an adult. Like she, yeah. she's in her business attire and she, there's nothing flashy about her, but she has this card, the same kind of card that Kit has. And she's looking at the store and she looks at Kit and Virgil and she's just like, is this the place? And it's clear that the unicorn that Kit gives up is going to go to this woman. And th- it it's interesting that there was somebody else that needed exactly what kit needed that it or that kit was able to let go but this person can now have and that there are others that long for that so much and In, oh man did i imagine that woman I, I i was she abused did she have a black eye oh like, I, I didn't I, I don't remember that's I, what i, didn't I think thought that she did i, I okay. thought she was just um she was kind of shaken but i don't know if she was abused okay i i was really a, a quick angle but i was like oh my god like i was like shit that was grim i thought she had like a black eye or something and like she was like the victim of like abuse or something that like was like a real trauma and stuff which like even like uh, that on top of the moment we just had with kit and the unicorn really struck me but it was a quick shot so maybe i maybe i imagined that maybe i projected that um but I, either way it still is like poignant and fits and it's like a, a proof that somebody definitely needs it more than kit um yeah kind of like really a kind of like over. a scrooge story in some mm-hmm. ways yeah i, 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 I also, also agree yeah i i also really like that virgil was able to see the unicorn because i mean he worked on that stable like a lot and he went to go pick up the hay and he was with kit on this journey so it it felt very nice for him to also share that moment with Kit, even though it wasn't as big for him as it was for her. Agreed. Yeah, and, you know, like, I think that this is an important, like, the lesson that, like, we, we learn in Unicorn Store is is a lesson that, you know, never, never disappoints. Like, it never need like, we never need to cease movies teaching you this lesson. And it's all, at the end of the day, just a lesson of perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, yeah, you have it bad, and it's not always fair to compare, like, you know, everybody has a right to their own anxiety. Everybody's everybody's bad things are their bad things, and it's not fair to be like, oh, I got an F on an exam, but somebody's starving in Africa. Like, yeah, of course, there's always going to be something super fucked up, but to acknowledge your traumas and to overcome them and acknowledge that while I'm going through something, I will get through it, and there are some people that truly, truly have it worse than me is an important lesson that I think that everybody needs constantly. Be entitled to your own, like, you know, sadness and acknowledge the bad things happening to you. You're always entitled to your emotions, and I truly believe that. I don't think it's unfair to compare, like, you know, like, it's like apples to oranges. But after you've done that, we all need that unicorn store moment where where we see the next person coming in who's worse off than us, who need our unicorn instead. 
And I think that like seeing it presented in this way um, is something that's going to stick with me for a while. I'm going to think about that scene for a long time, years probably, maybe forever. Um, and it's funny that a silly little movie on Netflix that could easily be scrolled past, and it was scrolled past by me for like many months, uh, mm-hmm. has moments that I truly think um, really were striking. And I think she's a damn fine director. I can't wait to see what she directs next. Like me this too. is an Oscar. This is an Oscar-winning actress who who can perform with the best of them. She's part of royalty already. And then she also like she could have decided to go like some somewhat like something with like really like artsier, like work with like. You know, you could see directed by Brie Larson on like an A24 film and it like be like Oscar based stuff. But instead she decided to go with this. And I think that choice to direct Unicorn Store as your debut um, speaks volumes of her. And I and I like the volumes it speaks. Yeah, it, I really liked watching those interviews because you intuited correctly. Like like she was talking about how she had, you know, done all this work as a, as an actress. And what she really wanted was to she felt like her inner child wasn't being fed. And so this project became her passion as a way for her to kind of nurture that side of her. And that's something that I can really respect. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's a smart call. And I, you know, thank goodness that we have like a service like Netflix that, you know, you get tons of content constantly, but every now and then you get something like this where at least, at least like Without a service like Netflix and people throwing money at, at talented people, we get we would end up getting so much less uh, to chew on. And while you know you get some stuff that isn't great, you also get stuff like Unicorn Store. And I think that if it weren't for Netflix, this movie maybe never gets made. Or if it does, it you know loses a shitload of money um, because I don't know who's going to see it in theater. But to have it live on Netflix for you know at the end of the at the end of time there will be cockroaches and netflix um it'll stand the test of time and i and i hope that uh i hope that she gets more directorial work because of it because i think she's damn good Mm. is it safe to say that you would recommend it i it is safe to say that yeah and i I, you know I, i would i would recommend i would recommend unicorn store um, I'm not, re- I wouldn't recommend it on like, I don't know if it'll make my top 10 of the year. Like, I don't know if it was mm-hmm. like, like, I don't know how prestigious I'll find it when we get a little closer to like December or something like that. But absolutely. I think, I think, you know, it's a 90 minute watch of, uh, uh and it's a good time and it's seeing talented people play with one another. I, of course I'd recommend that. It's not, it's not bad by any means. It's also not the best movie I've ever seen, but it's absolutely uh, watchable. It's perfectly enjoyable, and it has um, interesting characters and important lessons to be learned. So yeah, I think if you had time and you were just you were just scrolling, throw on Unicorn Store. I think you'd have a good time. Awesome. I think I would recommend it too. I think that it's very flawed, and again, Kit grates on me at times. And the the world, you you gotta go in with the right mindset. But I think if you do, you'll have a you'll have a good time and. I do think that that ending is is worth it. What's your unicorn, Katie? What would be what would be your thing? What would your store be? It wouldn't be a unicorn store. What would it be? A Pikachu. A Pikachu store. Yeah. You'd go in and it'd be like Pika Pika, and you'd be like, I don't need you anymore, Pikachu. And you're just like bawling all over. It would be really it would be really rough. Mareep is technically my favorite Pokemon, but when I was a kid, the thing that I was obsessed with the most was Pikachu. I had various Pikachu dolls and Pikachu paraphernalia, and I was just all about all about that yellow mouse life. And uh, I feel like if I got an invitation to a Pikachu store, I'd, I'd go. You know, I mean, I'd be curious I enough. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd what was sure yours? Um, good question. I think my unicorn was probably my cat before my my new cats. <laughs> um. I had a deer cat for like thirteen years. Big cat, you met her. Yeah, um, she's a sweet I'd say, I'd say she was my, she's my, my Steve the unicorn or whatever the hell his name was, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and stuff. But you know, um, pets, whether imaginary or real, I think are are so important for humans to because uh, we can project whatever we want on them, and they 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 do nothing but just love us mm-hmm. um like we can put any emotions like we they're basically like cats are like these really interesting like canvases 
and I have two now, and you know them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really sweet and fun-loving, but I get to kind of put my worldview and my emotions and thoughts onto them, and, like, I've created these personalities for them that probably don't even exist. <laughs> um, but it's just a delight. And, yeah, I'd go there, and I'd be like, hey, you're my old cat. You were really sweet. Thanks for thanks for helping me grow up. And now I instead I have my Virgil, who's my fiance, Taylor. And like now I'm mm-hmm. a, a real grown up because I had to like I had that person or cat <laughs> like help me. So um, I think it'd be that or like, you know, something ridiculous like Randy Moss, like receiver of the Minnesota Vikings. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, what's up, Randy Moss? And he'd be like, call me super freak and I'd be like I will and then I'd like throw like a really long like touchdown pass and he'd catch it with one hand or something like that I don't know (laughs) also I've always thought that you should you should evolve Pikachu into Raichu I think Raichu is criminally underappreciated oh yeah Raichu's adorable but you know Raichu's fucking dope when I was a child it was just all about Pikachu like if we're gonna be real like I just because the whole driving force of that whole show is the is the deep bond that Ash has with Pikachu. And I know. when you're a kid, at least at least when I was a kid, I wanted to get out of Ohio and see different worlds like Ash leaving Pallet Town. And I wanted to do it with my with a best friend, with a Pikachu, with a partner. And to be able to meet different people along the way and see different things and have these new experiences and defeat bad guys. And uh, that is what really drew me to Pokemon, really, like, the the core is so sweet, is just this deep, loving bond. Well, now we're defeating bad guys with each other. You're, yeah. I'm your Pikachu. <laughs> and, this, and, and Bad Movie Brunch is helping us defeat bad guys that are critics and people that are unjustly talking about film. Does that make me Randy Moss? That makes you Randy Moss. That makes you my cat, big cat. <laughs> Good. No, I... I'm your Pikachu, you're Ash Ketchum, Hell yeah. and this is our this is our Pokemon journey. Awesome. Well, I'm happy to be on it with you, man. Happy to be on it with you. I've been Luke Taylor. I've been Katie Grossinger. Have a good one, folks. <laughs>